Teachers are natural innovators, entertainers, and problem solvers. They dream of growing old into the profession, teaching their kids' kids. But sometimes, career goals shift or change, and that makes opportunities outside of the classroom seem intangible. Questioning, who am I if I'm not a teacher? I'm your host, Alexandra Simon. And I'm your co-host, Jody Scissors. This is The Great Teacher Resignation. Well, Allie, we made it to episode two. Woohoo! We did. And we have our first guest on the show today. Yes, we do. And I think we're going to learn a few things, but I had an idea. What do you think about doing some shout outs before we get started? I love that. Can I go first? Go for it. How about the listeners who tuned in for our first episode? Yes. Epic shout out to everybody that listened. I have to tell you, we greatly appreciated every DM, text, and email. We created this podcast for you, so we're going to stick around. I agree. I think the DMs were very reassuring. So I want to give a shout out to our very creative graphic designer, Avery Gibson, who made our logo. And I also want to give a shout out to David Dupuis for his friendship and his willingness to roll with my business antics and uh, helping us get this podcast off the ground. So when we talk in episodes about networking, there are examples of the close-knit network that I have that helped with a project like this. So thank you. Well, now I think we can just get right to it. Great. And today's our first subject matter expert interview. So our listeners will be able to hear from someone other than just the two of us. That's right. And Allie, I'm going to let you do the honors since you made the connection with this guest. So today I'm really excited for our guest that we have on, Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh. Jody, as you know, I've been connected with Lindsay since my beginning time as a military spouse. She's a clinical psychologist turned relationship coach, and she's also the host of Married to Military, a podcast that discusses all the challenges of being married to military. So today we're having Lindsay on the show because she is a subject matter expert. She works with couples, and I know that part of Jody's journey and part of my journey, we're talking to our partners about making such a big change in our lives. And so we'll start with that question today. How do you talk to your partner about wanting to make a career change? So first off, thank you so much for having me. And congratulations to you guys for getting this off the ground. That's very exciting. Um, And I think that the questions that you're bringing up is a really good one because I also made a career change. You know, I was a psychologist and then had to I, I shifted into sort of the online coaching world and there's a lot of barriers being in the military as a result of that. And I think that when it came to talking about my spouse, the first thing that I wanted to get really clear on is what do I want? Like, what do I need? Because if I don't know, I sure as heck know that my my spouse isn't going to figure that out on his own. Mm-hmm. So it was really a lot of like my own self-reflection first. And what is that? look like and what do I want and what do I want to feel in in my new path and how do I how do I want to my hours to look and how do I right so it was like really big picture stuff and then I started to fill in the details from there and trickle down and part of that trickling down was how can my spouse support me in this what will I need from him what do I want from him and then it was kind of going in and and talking 
um, from it from that angle. So I could really talk about like the big picture stuff that I was looking for and I could get into. And here's really what I need from you to just to help support me to get there and make sure it was you know, things that I knew that he would do and that he'd be willing to do and then kind of at least get the conversation started. And I think that like me going in just being so excited and he could see how much more excited I was about the shift and he could see just the mood change, you know, it kind of gets him excited as well. So he always said that he's like, I don't know how to help you, but I I want to. I like this for you. So that's kind of how I did it. And I've, I've certainly worked on this with some other couples as well. One of the things you said really uh, stood out to me that you had to figure out what you wanted and what that looked like and and then bring it to your partner. And the second part was about your partner noticing when you made that change, what that was like. And that's really what I want to focus on. I talk to my spouse about that a lot too. Like I've actually changed a couple of different jobs um, since I've left teaching. And I'll ask my husband, I'll say, do you think I'm less stressed out now than I was (laughs) in this other job or in the classroom? Mm -hmm. And, And he can really see from a different perspective how I've been acting, what, Mm -hmm. you know, like, have I been super stressed out? Like, have I not been able to do the things that I want to do? Like, I really enjoy Mm -hmm. cooking dinner. Like sometimes I can't do that depending on what job I have, or I really like uh, spending time with my kids after school. And sometimes I wasn't able to do that depending on my career. Um, So that's so helpful to hear from you that, that that's not unique to me, <laughs> like that, no. that, our, that our spouses can share. Maybe they can't mm-hmm. tell us what to do, right? Because they don't, yeah. they don't know what we yeah. should do. We have to figure yeah. that. It's an inner journey, an inner discovery, but they can support us by being observers and by, by offering, I think, the emotional support. I think my spouse was the first to notice my change in emotion and behavior. I can remember one morning just not being able to get out of bed and saying, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't read my mind or read my feelings because I was in this point of self-discovery, but he could hug me and say, let's talk about it. You know, what are you feeling? What are you saying? And just being that support system, because he could tell, like, I haven't seen this before in you. I haven't seen you Mm -hmm. not want to get out of bed. So it was a red flag to him that kind of gave me the strength to start saying the things I was feeling because my my body was reacting (laughs) to it. And then that's where I had to go deeper into learning about my own journey. And, but it was interesting. He was the first to be alerted about that. Yeah. And I will say that my spouse also was the first to really see how much happier I was, whereas I knew I was feeling happy, but I don't even think I realized how much happier I was. And Mm -hmm. he reflected that back to me and saying, man, like you're just you're so much less stressed Mm -hmm. and you um, you just are so much more excited. And again, the more excited I am about it, he just really wants to be on board. He likes he likes that I am feeling this and I like that I'm feeling it. And it sort of helps to kind of motivate all of us to to keep going. I think it's really reassuring when you have someone that you love giving you like that pat on the back. So what about our listeners who maybe aren't uh, married? They don't have a partner right now. What would you suggest for them? Who should they you know, seek support from? I think that it always comes down to, and really, I will say, even if you are partnered, like I think really thinking about this is 
who is the person who you can go to who is going to have no judgment against you, who's going to right? who's who's just going to listen, who's going to be there, who may ask some questions that are important for you, but that that isn't going to really judge you or that you feel you have to censor yourself because this time is really when you need your mind as open as possible mm-hmm. to what can happen. And I'll give a, an example of this where my mom and I talk every day. We have a very close relationship. That being said, she's very like fixed in how she thinks about things. So if I'm wanting to just brainstorm and and really think about ideas, she might not be the very first person I go to when it comes to something like this, where I'm going to think about who is in my network that will just listen, that will just be there, that will just reflect back things that maybe I need to hear and and kind of go from there. And and if you don't have this person in your life, this is a great place to start too, is is really thinking about like how can I how can I seek these out? I know that there are so many groups for people who are doing career change, even kind of support groups to just, you know, social groups to. So I think that if you can't identify a person that's already in your network, that would be kind of my next go to because it's going to be hard to change and you're going to have a million doubts about yourself and your decision. And you really want that person there that can just be like, no, no, no. Remember when you said this and how excited you were? And so that's I would just for everybody. And I certainly have those people that are more than even just my spouse that can also provide that same level of support for me. So I think that just that support in and of itself, regardless of if you're partnered or not, is really helpful. And I agree. I lean on my spouse a lot, but I also have some very close friends that I can lean on too, mm-hmm. because sometimes my my husband's not available. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have uh, more than just one person in your corner if you're able to do so. Yeah. And you mentioned self-doubt. I was really feeling that a lot of self-doubt, you know, like I was in a career where I felt confident to do all the things I needed to do. And then when I was kind of stepping back, uh, my self-confidence plummeted, but my husband was a cheerleader for me. The people that were close to me who believed in me were the cheerleaders because I couldn't cheerlead myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I was having a hard time talking myself up and and giving myself the confidence to take the next step. And I needed them for that reassurance. Totally agree. I think that it's funny how I was a psychologist for 14 years. So very confident in my ability, very confident going to work. I just had no doubts. And switching into coaching, which honestly isn't that different. Like I'm doing all of the same stuff, but it felt so different and it felt. And and so I did. I had all of these, you know, wobbles, as I call them. And, you know, so I think that having someone again, even a career counselor is a really great person who's going to be non-judgmental, who, again, doesn't even need to be in your network that just you can go and say anything to. But just having someone that can one normalize that. Yeah, it's really normal to, to doubt yourself. It's really normal. And and remind you of how great you are because you'll you'll need those moments for sure. And Jody talked a little bit in episode one about her journey to deciding to transition out of the classroom. And I didn't really talk as much about my journey after I 
left, which was not, I didn't know I was going to leave forever. And I missed teaching so much because it was such a part of who I was. Same thing. When I would meet someone, we moved to a new city. I would meet someone. They'd say, oh, so nice to meet you. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And I, how do you, how do you think we became friends? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. I was like, oh, you were a teacher too. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to yeah. be best Let me friends. corner her at the park. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I, what did you teach? Like, we all want to know these things, but, but it's hard because you don't have that part of your identity. And, and even if you transition careers immediately, right. If you transitioned into something that's very different from teaching, then you may go through what I went through, which I really grieved this loss of, of my career, of my identity. It was a really difficult time. And I'm wondering, could you shed some light on what someone could do when they're going through that grief stage? Absolutely. I had a very similar situation to you, Ali, because we were stationed in Portugal. And so I was not allowed to work due to the visa that I was there under. You can, I can go with my spouse, but I wasn't allowed to work. So it was sort of a forced resignation in some ways. And I really struggled. Like I was, I am not built to be a stay at home parent. I um, became very resentful. I was, I was a, an unhappy human, I will say. And, and then, so not only was I dealing with kind of the grief that point, I also then when I decided I wasn't going to go back and be the traditional psychologist, you know, there was some grief there. And I think the biggest thing to remember with grief is that there are multiple stages and phases of it. So there can be kind of a denial phase, a a sadness phase, an anger phase, kind of a a resignation. You know, they call it even a bargaining where if I do this, maybe I can still feel, you know, this. And but if you know, you're, you're just sort of working it out. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to grief is allow yourself to feel it all. The biggest thing that we can do to extend any emotion is try to not feel it, is try to suppress it. Whereas if we give our emotions the space, they actually don't last very long. The the research shows that the average emotion only lasts about seven minutes. And so what keeps it going beyond those seven minutes is are we trying to somehow avoid it or are we trying to, are we somehow fueling it beyond that? Um, The example that I give is if I say to you all, Whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant. You can think about anything else except for a pink elephant. Now, my guess is that all three of us and all the listeners out there, you're thinking about a pink (laughs) elephant, right? And that's just what we do. And it's the same thing for emotions. So I think that recognizing that you are going to have grief, even if you know that this decision is the absolute best decision for you, you still will have grief. It is normal. And and then just allow it to come. Like whatever that means, let it play out. If you feel sad that day, feel sad and just try not to get stuck into any one place with it. And that the grief can happen at different parts. So just saying, you know, if you're transitioning, that might not be this thing that you feel first. You might you might feel excited. You might feel ready. Uh, You might feel guilt. It might not be grief, but 
it's possible that grief could come later. Maybe it won't, but there is no set time frame for that. Well, and even guilt can be kind of worked in there too. I think that just recognizing that even with great decisions could potentially come some not so great feelings and just being aware that they might happen and being okay when they do happen, I think. And you're right, being ready for any any time it comes up is is mm-hmm. ideal. Absolutely. And I mean, I want to share that one thing that helped me tremendously in that grief stage and when I was getting ready to go into a new career was seeing a therapist. It it just helped me so mm-hmm. much. It allowed me to have someone talk to me about the things that maybe I was scared to talk to my spouse about. And um, I feel like just podcasts in general are a way to to listen to things that are similar in topic of what you're thinking about without having to say it out loud yet. Like maybe I have to hear other people talk about it first and then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to talk about it. Agreed. And podcasts, you can just listen, right? Mm-hmm. While you're, you know, mm-hmm. doing the dishes or while I do it when I go on walks. And it, I just feel like it's a nice way to, to feel normal mm-hmm. without having to put yourself out there too much yet. A- absolutely. And I think what's really important about the great teacher resignation is that we want to have real people with real stories and real experience. And I just want to thank you so much, um, Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh today for joining us and for sharing your own experiences and your experience as a therapist. To hear more from Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh, check out her podcast, Married to Military, and follow her Instagram handle at Married to Military. If you like The Great Teacher Resignation, give us a five-star rating and follow us on Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. This episode was written and recorded by me, Alexandra Simon, and my co-host, Jody Scissors. Produced by Jody Scissors. Original music, Emoji, by Tubebacker. Special thanks to our sponsor, Paper Plains Ed.